when I was about 12, there was a storm blew up at our house. Pretty significant storm. I mean, uh, big trees were, you know, giving it one of those. And probably about 20 minutes or so into the storm, my mom was in the kitchen. I walked in the kitchen, and she was in the corner looking out the window because uh, she, she just was. I think she might have been a little bit afeard of uh, what was about to happen. But as soon as I walked in the kitchen, my next door neighbor, our next-door neighbor had, a, had an oak tree in their backyard. It was probably at least five foot in diameter at the base, probably 110, 120 foot tall. Lightning struck it just as I walked in the kitchen, and the oak tree was coming toward our house and would have hit it. Uh, but my mom, as she was prone to do during crisis, said, Lord, help us. And the Lord helped us. This tree that was coming toward our house, the corner of our house, as soon as she said, Lord, help us, took a left-hand turn real quick. Now, it knocked our power lines down. We were without power for a couple of days after that, but the house was still standing. It, it, it was as if, and I believe it was, it, but it was as if the hand of God grabbed that tree and said, no, let's go this way. At, at the probably very quick and instantaneous behest of my mom to say, Lord, help us. Uh, th- there have been those moments in my life like that. You probably have had some too where either you were this close to death in a car wreck, this close to some other kind of health issue. Uh, you know, there have been those moments in our life where God has said, let's, let's go this way. I don't want to, this way is going to hurt you. Let's go this way. And we, as we recall those moments, we tend to find ourselves kind of like Joseph finds himself, in, finds himself in this text today. At the mercy of God, at the hand of God, but then find himself eventually willingly walking in the way of God. So let's look at this, at this text together, if you will. Matthew chapter 1, if you want to turn there. We're going to look at verses 18 to 25 together and see what we can glean from, these, from this text today. Matthew 1, 18. And this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public, uh, public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until they gave birth to a son. She gave him the name Jesus. Joseph's interruption, we've been looking at interruptions from God for the last six weeks, looked at Abram's interruption, looked at uh, Moses' interruption, looked at David's interruption, looked at uh, St. Peter's interruption, was going to look at Paul's interruption last week, and it's note on it. Um, but as we see, see God interrupt the life of Joseph, it's pretty drastic. And as we, as we can glean several things this morning, I want us to kind of lock some of these things away because these moments either probably have happened to us before we didn't handle them well or are around the corner for us and we need to learn to handle them better. Joseph's interruption, first of all, was for the right guy. It was for the right guy. Look at verse 19 again. He says, 
Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public, uh, public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. Was a righteous man, was a, was a blue-collar guy. Uh, Mark 6.3 tells us that Jesus was the, the son of a carpenter. Uh, the, the Greek word in, <clears throat> in Mark 6 is tecton. Uh, derivative of that is architecton, from which we get our word architect. Tecton is builder. And so most of the, most of the structures and, and homes and buildings in that, in that day and time were stone. And so likely Joseph found himself building doors and roof systems and tools and things like that for people to use. But he was, he was a man of, of, of trade. He was a man of, uh, he got his hands dirty. He, he didn't sit and overthink things to death. He got his hands and, and, and feet in the game and was involved in, in what he did, for, not only for a living, but helping others as well. And so here he is. He's a, he's a blue-collar blue guy. He's uh, uh, very unassuming, I would think, and likely learned of Mary's pregnancy when she either returned from Elizabeth's or while she was at Elizabeth's. Now, Elizabeth lived about uh, probably about a 90-minute walk or so, a good 90-minute walk from, from Nazareth. And as, as word kind of spread of her pregnancy or as she came back from Elizabeth to, to, to reveal that herself, you can imagine Joseph's uh, kind of take back from that to, to say, you know, we've been engaged all this time. We've had no relations all this time. And here you come back from Elizabeth's pregnant. What's up? But his being a righteous man, and I believe, I really believe Matthew uh, speaks to not only his ability to keep the law, which he did, but speaks to his compassion and his wisdom and his forgiving spirit to Mary to, to have what verse 19 says is, that is his motive to put her away quietly, divorce her quietly. Now, in doing this, according to Jewish law, if he divorced her quietly and kind of set her aside quietly, he had the opportunity to stone her to death, have her stoned to death as a betrothed, engaged wife. But decides to divorce her quietly, and in doing that, he assumes all the risk and all the responsibility. In deciding to put her away quietly and divorce her quietly, he is, she is still his responsibility, but he chooses that way anyway because he is a righteous man. It's the right thing to do. And so the shame... He absorbed the responsibility he absorbed, the disdain he absorbed, the ridicule you can imagine from his friends. And he absorbs all this onto himself. And, it was, it, it was, and he knew it would be his, not Mary's. Uh, and so Matthew calls him righteous. This is a great, great, this picture is a great parallel of God's love for us. It's a great parallel of his forgiveness for us going beyond, above and beyond what we you and I deserve. And I'm, I'm glad every person sitting in this room today, like me, doesn't get what we deserve. If I got what I deserved, if you did too, we'd all be in the back corner of hell crying out for mercy today. We'd all smell like smoke. We don't get what we deserve. We get what is at the hand of his abundant and ever-fulfilling grace and mercy. And here's, here's Joseph being a picture of Christ to Mary and consequently to us because his interruption was for the right guy. Secondly, his interruption, Joseph's interruption was at the right time. Look at 20 and 21 with me again. He says, but after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is born from the Holy Spirit. She would give birth to a son and you were to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. After he had considered this, the very first thing Joseph does in learning and hearing this uh, this this idea of her being pregnant, even before the angel comes, 
his consideration before, even before the visit from the angel is this. Let me hit the pause button. Let me hit the pause button on this. Let me stop and think through what's about to occur, what's occurred in her life, what she says has occurred in her life. I'm sure she told him the story of the Holy Spirit and the angel's visit to her. And the first thing he does is not become emotional and not overreact. Things most of us in this room would do. I try to put myself in his, in his shoes, and I'm probably running as fast as I can in the other direction from Mary, even if I cared about her, just because the public ridicule that would, would come our way, and I know her way and my way. He doesn't do that. He hits the pause button. That's great, great counsel for you and I. When crisis comes, when hard places find, our, find their way into our lives, the very best and first thing we should do is hit the pause button to find where God is in all of that. Because when you and I overreact, and we can't often do, and respond emotionally to what God's trying to do spiritually, we'll miss it. We'll miss him and we'll miss it. If we can kind of put, put tabs and keep, keep squelch on the emotions, so to speak, we, we'll probably more likely see what God is up to around us and what, he's, what he wants to do in us. Great, great counsel to hit the pause button when crisis comes, when, when hard places come, and not overreact to those kinds of things. But that's exactly what he does and great lessons for us. Notice here also that the angel reminds him of his, of his birth heritage. It reminds him of his lineage. It speaks to him, Joseph, son of David. Joseph, you're from the lineage of David. Now, Joseph probably, it was a great reminder of him because of what he's about to say. He probably sees himself within this prophecy being fulfilled uh, because he, he likely heard and knew the prophecy in Isaiah 7 where a virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And so as the, as the virgin birth is prophesied, he's probably rolling that over as the angel tells him the story in his dream. And so he finds himself in the midst of his being fulfilled in his prophecy, but also reminds himself that he's of the lineage of David and the, the, the promised Messiah would come through the, the house of David. You know, I, I see Joseph as a little kid, probably like most of us when we were little kids or certainly little boys, playing army. And I see him in, growing up in his, in his backyard. and Okay, we're going to be the Philistines. You guys be the Israelites. You guys be the Philistines, we'll be the Israelites, and I'm David. I kind of grew up like that as well. I wanted to be Condridge Holloway when I grew up. Condridge Holloway was a quarterback for UT back in the day, and in fact, uh, either for my birthday or for Christmas, can't remember which, got a, a number seven jersey, an away jersey, the white jerseys, with the orange numerals uh, outlined in black and the, and the orange shoulder panels. And I wore that jersey one too many times, and it, it, their jerseys were tearaway jerseys, which as you run by, you'd grab them, and the jersey would tear away, you'd be left with a handed jersey, the defense would. Well, the shirt I got was kind of a tearaway jersey too because I played, played in it one too many times and tore it up. But, but boy, I just dreamed, I tried four number seven in high school. I, I wanted to be Condridge Holloway. I didn't have Condridge Holloway skills, but I wanted, that's, he was the guy that I wanted to be like. And so as we played in the black backyard, I'd imagine myself being Conrad Holloway, just like probably Joseph did. Being, I'm, I'm David. I'm King David. I see him imagine himself in that light, probably like most boys would. And he finds himself seeing this as a full circle moment, I think. As he hears the angel say, you're, you're the guy. And it's from your lineage, from your house, from your background, you're the guy. You're the chosen one. Me? I'm just a carpenter. I imagine being this guy, maybe as, as a kid, as I've heard this prophecy, being read in church, but... Boy, as it's coming true, there's got to be somebody better than me. There's got to be somebody more qualified than me, more, more astute than me, smarter than me, more well-equipped than me. And he finds himself being in that moment to say, but I'm willing to step into it if it's me. 
And so he sees himself as, and I think sees this moment as a, in the visit from the angel as a, as a full circle moment. He'd heard this prophecy and, and sees himself as immersed in it. And, and we, like him, would find wisdom if we could find ourselves. Not just hearing about prophecy, not just seeing the promises of God in, into our life from Scripture or hearing it from a platform from a guy like me week after week, but seeing ourselves immersed in the will of God. He saw himself in that moment and, and willingly stepped into it. The more we can find ourselves immersed in the will of God, the more we'll see him, his hand, and the clearer it will be, and the more e- and far easier it will be for us to follow his ways and his nature. If we can see ourselves immersed in himself, immersed in his will, his plan, his purpose, his design for us, we, like Joseph, will see incredible blessings in our lives. We'll see prophecy fulfilled in our life, and, and these things ring true in us and not just in the people that we read about in Scripture all the time. Uh, our, our lives, our families, our, our, our ways, we should constantly look to see ourselves as a, as, a part of, as a part of God's bigger story, as a part of more of a divine plan, a, a plan that says, here's, here's what's going to happen, and I want you to play this role in that. As we see ourselves in his divine plan and his purpose, it's far more, we're far more motivated spiritually to live for him, and I think we glean and learn two valuable things from that, or this. We start to realize, first of all, that his interruptions are always for our good. Now, seldom probably in your life and in mine will we see the good instantly. His interruptions are usually a a beginning to a process for us, and it is here for Joseph. Now, the change in attitude is instantaneous, but the ridicule doesn't stop the next day because the baby hadn't come yet. And so the, 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 the public disdain that was Mary and Joseph, they had to live with even after they knew the truth even after they would carry around the truth from God, they had to live with the public consequence, the cultural consequence of what was going on. And so it would be a valuable lesson for you and I to learn that as we yield to those moments, yield to those interruptions, God begins a process that is seldom immediate, but always for our good, every time for our good, if we'll hang on and walk with him. The second thing we realize is that there, those interruptions are always bigger and more than, uh, about, than just being about, about us. If it were just about us, I think God would probably isolate us sometimes to speak to us more readily, but his interruptions are about others. And how we respond to those interruptions, speak to and invest in the lives of other folks around us. It is, it is in fact, I'm trying to think back as quickly as I can in my mind, as God's interruptions in my, even this recent, these recent interruptions with, with prostate cancer and with Parkinson's. I'm seeing these interruptions fleshed out in the lives of not only my family, but you guys here at church, some friends that continue to call and talk to me and ask me how things are going. His interruptions are, are seldom ever about us, just about us. They trickle into the lives of other folks and from their lives into the lives of folks that they, have, they do life with and have, have contact with. And so as we see this trickle effect start to occur, we start to say again and again, God's up to something. I need to hang on as tightly as I can because I know he's up to something. It's deeper than me. It's bigger than me and further than me. If I can see his ways in his his hand, it'll be easier to follow his ways. Joseph's interruption was for the right guy at the right time. Thirdly, Joseph's interruption was about a bigger promise. Look at 22 and 23 again with me. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. It's prophecy in Isaiah seven fourteen. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said. Now these two verses, uh, 22 and 23, are, are Matthew's commentary a little bit about this whole situation, prophetic situation, 
and Joseph being the fulfillment of, of that prophecy. Uh, prophecy that Joseph had likely read from Micah and from Isaiah both that referred to this idea of Emmanuel, this idea of God being not there and distant, but and not only with us, but in us and for us. Uh, that, that, that teaching led to this encounter. And I think Joseph picks up on that, begins to realize that. And this is Matthew's commentary on that stuff. So he understood the promise of Emmanuel. I, thought he, I think he had no idea of experiencing it, certainly in the moment as this angel visits him during the dream. But I think he walks away from the dream trying to, trying to figure out, okay, that day, that prophetic day from Isaiah, that prophetic day from Micah was about this day. And those moments were about this moment. And those lives of those prophets were about my life today. As we can see scripture start to unfold before us, and just as we finished up a series on the end time about a month or so ago, as we can see things unfolding in our world around us and in, in, in the culture around us, we can start to have greater confidence that God is no, not only involved in the culture, but is involved in us, involved in the culture. Sees us as an integral, integral role of what he's up to and what he's doing in the lives of folks around us. And they, he, Joseph got that and understood that. Saw himself, or saw himself as a part of God's bigger story, a story of redemption, a story of design, a story of purpose, a story of direction, a story of forgiveness, and again and again and again. We need, we need to learn that and not just hear about it from a distance, but find ourselves, as I said a moment ago, immersed into his will, seeking his will, not just observing it from a distance and then analyzing it and saying, I don't know if that's the best plan for me or not. But finding ourselves saying, I don't get it, I don't understand it all, but I'm stepping into it. I'm leaning into it intentionally to see what God is doing there that I can never learn over here in a safe place. And so as, as, as Joseph found himself there, he gets up from this dream and immerses himself in the truth of what he just heard. We need to, uh, great reminders for us. And we need to be reminded regularly of Emmanuel. I'm telling you, this is, it, it, this is a phenomenal concept of God being with us. Uh, and not just with us, but for us, and in us, and through us, and around us. Uh, I think Joseph finally grasps the baby in Mary's womb is this very guy. And I'm the one, or one of the ones, to guide him in this process of human life, physical life, so that I can teach him what relationships are about and see him relate to others eternally. As I stand off and as he grows up and I, I usher him into ministry and hand him off back to God, his heavenly father, as I see those things, I see Emmanuel lived out before me and I had a part in it. And God is calling us to be a part of Emmanuel in our culture. He's calling us to engage not only those around us to say God is not only with us, but in me, and I want him to be in you. I want, him to, I want you to know him. Do you know him today? See, Emmanuel is, 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 the, is the most pivotal process or the most pivotal principle in redemption because if God is not in us, then how can he be for us? How can he be around us? And how can he be through us? He first has to be in us and with us, and he is, and he does. But is the, is the, is the, is the through us and around us coming out of the cracks of our life? It needs to be. That's... It, 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 Incredible concept, Emmanuel. It was a bigger thing God was up to, and Joseph saw it and got it. And whether willingly or reluctantly, stepped right into the middle of it the very next day. God's calling you and I to do those same things today. Finally, Joseph's interruption was for the right guy at the right time. It was about a bigger promise. But it also was an opportunity to say yes. An opportunity to say yes. Look at verse 24. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. When he woke up, 
instantaneously. This is what the angel had commanded. He was a young guy with limited means. Uh, as I said, very, very blue-collar, worked with his hands. Probably had very little culturally to, to get motivated around or motivated about. Herod was corrupt. The Roman government that was, that was over the Jewish nation was corrupt. And there was probably a cloud as most Jews in that, in that region got up every day. There's probably a cloud over their head. And Joseph gets up this day finding something other than a cloud. He gets up this day finding, okay, there's a plan. And God, God has remembered that Messiah is coming and has come and is here and is in her, her, her belly walking around across the courtyard there. And he's engaged me to be a part of that. And so, boy, I don't want to miss that. I don't, I don't want to see the things through that he wants to see me through because his day is a lot like our day. Maybe, maybe you get up some, some days like I do and think, come on, really? I mean, here we, here we are, the most blessed nation on earth, and, and can't see God through the end of our, to, as far as the end of the, the nose on our face. The most affluent, the, the, the most free, the most, uh, and we can't see the Lord in anything around us, seemingly. And when we do, we can't say anything about it because it's not PC. And we find ourselves in a cloud, and certainly in, in, in current culture, of, of brokenness and and, and, and friction and, and hurt and, and, and blame and finger pointing and camping up and, and as we get up in, the, in those days if we can remind ourselves the evening before and the morning of of Emmanuel of God in me and it's called to Moses to say or maybe it's called to Joseph to say you're the guy you're the guy Joseph you're the one step into this you're the guy we can find ourselves daily praying those morning prayers as we get up out of our bed today or in the mornings. Uh, I think it would change our day. Because Joseph likely saw the same cloud that his neighbor saw, but he got up with a different attitude the next day. I can promise you he did. And every day after that. Uh, it's, uh, I think it's incredible that he didn't run. Most of us would have. I certainly, I probably certainly would have seen, seen the, the cultural situation and Knowing the ridicule that's going to come my family's way and her family's way, I probably would have done the very thing Joseph had decided to do. And let me let me divorce her quietly. Let me put this put this to bed as quickly and quietly as I can, and go on with life in a different direction. And God had other plans. And Moses says, "I want your plan, said I. In fact, he finds himself doing the godly thing in this moment instead of the right thing, or the good thing, because what he was about to do was good and right, righteous even. Matthew calls it. But there's a better way than the good way. There's even a better way than the right way, and that's God's way. God's way, uh, Joseph saw here, was in, in, in this moment and in the years and decades that would follow, would pour great dividend not only into his lives, but the lives of the Jewish nation and the life of you and I sitting here this morning as Gentiles who've gleaned the wisdom and, and the opportunity to know, to know Christ through his death on the cross. This whole idea of, of Emmanuel is, is a compelling idea, and I think Joseph saw it and got it. This night of his dream is the second most incredible night of his life. The, the, the most incredible night he's going to see real soon. But the second most incredible night of his life he responds to in the right way. He gets up and says, I'm, I'm in. I'm in. Uh, he, 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 Joseph woke up and did exactly what the angel had said. Didn't ponder it. Didn't get 12 opinions about it. Didn't read six books on it. Woke up and moved on what the angel had asked him to do. Great, great counsel of that for us. Uh, he, as I said, 
Stop seeing the good way and the right way and start seeing the godly way or God's way. When life gets hard for you and I, you and I would do well to remember Joseph. We would do well to remember, boy, there, there's 16,000 ways to look at this one given situation. God, I want to see yours above mine, above my wife's, above the culture's, above the opinion of some uh, a good and trusted friend. I want to see your way. Because my way may be a good way. My way may be, may, be, may be the right way, but it may not be your way. And I want to see your way every time. Joseph's interruption <clears throat> was a story of great risk. But it's also a story of great reward. And Joseph sees both the risk as she comes back from Elizabeth, all over the risk. I think he even sees the risk in the midst of this communication with the angel in the dream. But he also sees the great reward. Why? Because what the angel said, you're the guy, Joseph. You're from the line of David. You're the one. You're the man. You're, you're the man for this moment. You're the right guy at the right time. And he sees that and captures that and doesn't become intimidated by it because if God has laid it out before him, God's going to be ahead of him in every step, in every conversation, in every correction, in every form of discipline. He's going to be ahead of, ahead of him in every situation. And Joseph sees it, knows it, and willingly, anxiously, steps right in the middle of it. Great risk on his part, but also a great reward, and he recognizes all of that. So a question and observation as we wrap up, and that's this. Is God interrupting your life with greater risk today? Is he interrupting your life with greater risk? You say, Tim, how can I know? It's really pretty simple. In your decisions, in your life, in your, your discoveries, in your plans, in your goals, in your dreams, is more glory going to you and yours or to him and his? Where's the glory going? Little of you, little of him, 50-50. Where's the glory going? The greater risk is, is far easier to follow. If I see the greater glory going to him, it's far easier to step in the middle of that rather than the glory going to me. There's far, far less risk if the, if the glory is going to me. And I think it's a simple equation to see that. How can I know where's the glory going? Here's an observation as we close, and that's this. Sometimes the best response to his interruptions is to lay aside the good thing, the right thing, the good way, the right way for God's way. Those can be hard decisions to see. They, they should be made under wise counsel, but... They can be hard decisions to see because we see the good way sometimes. We see the right way, but miss his way. Why? Because it just doesn't seem natural sometimes. And this was very unnatural. It just doesn't seem natural to see his way, to see his hand. We have to look through a supernatural lens, through an eternal lens, to see eternal things. Joseph was able to do that in that moment, in this moment. And you and I would be wise to see his way, the good way, or God's way, but the right way because... The godly way was culturally costly for Joseph, and he knew it, and he steps into it anyway. There was shame. There was embarrassment waiting on him, and honestly, the godly way is probably going to be culturally costly for us. There's going to be some, you look at this Jesus freak. Look at this, look at this. There's going to be some cultural costs to pay. But am I willing to miss his best for my good? Most of us are, and we don't do it intentionally. We do it analytically most of the time. We analyze the situation around us. And, you know, here's a better way. And I miss his best because I think I'm choosing what's for my good. And those can be hard decisions to make, but they're made 
at the counsel of his word and the counsel of, if, if they're made at the counsel of his word and the counsel of his spirit, they'll be made the right way every time. Every time. Are we seeking those kinds of ways? Is God interrupting your life with more risk? And what are we doing? How are we responding to that risk? Well, Joseph looked at it and said, I'm in. I'm in. Don't care what the cost is. Don't care what, what tomorrow brings, what the next day brings. I'm in. Because he saw himself as part of something bigger than himself. If you and I can see ourselves as a part of God's bigger design, his bigger plan, his bigger purpose for us, far easier for us to get off the duff and get in the game. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, today remind us of your, your faithfulness to us and your faithfulness around us in every situation. In our, our, some of our greatest challenges today may be relation, relationship-related in, in our marriage and with relationships with friends and coworkers at work. And you're thinking, is God in any of this? Because all I see right now is just some struggle. All I see right now is uncertainty and friction. And we, we, we find our, ourselves seeking your hand and your way to, to the greater extent that you are ahead of us. You are Emmanuel in us, for us, through us, and around us. And as we start to live that reality, we start to see your hand at work situationally in our lives. And we will if we start to look for it. If we see just a situation and not you, we'll respond maybe in a good way, maybe in a right way. But if we look for you in the middle of the situation, we can respond the godly way every time, just as Joseph did. Hard decisions to make, but the godly decision is always the right way for us. Help us to seek those ways, and the risk becomes minimized, and the reward becomes far easier to see than the risk. Teach us to walk in that place today, and to seek it even, to chase it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.